This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome back to Meeting of the Minds. Today we have a very special guest, Coach Buxton, who doesn't really need any kind of introduction. He knows what he's talking about. He's one of the best coaches in the world. We're excited to have him. You know, it'll be real nice. All right. We're excited to have everyone with us with another great episode of Meeting of the Minds. All right. There it is. I see him. All right, Coach, let's bring in. Go live. Connecting. With connection sometimes. Coach, what's going on? Jane, how you doing? Good, good. How have you been during all this craziness? <laughs> uh, I'm doing fine. Uh could be better. This sure. Is, this is the most I've ever been off the mats in my life. <laughs> I was going to say, this has got to be some kind of record with that. Well, it was, uh, I think the, the last time was probably two weeks was when I was at Blair, and I used to take, kind of take August off, but, um, you know, this is where it is now. That's right. That's right. Well, we do the best we can. So I guess we got to talk about Fargo right away. Fargo being canceled. What should wrestlers be thinking? What should their mindset be in your recommendation? 
Well, I kind of figured that that would happen. And yeah. I've been trying to tell everybody not to panic at this point and just do the things that you can control right now. And, um, you know, everybody's looking to, you know, get that grind workout in. And, uh, you, you know, there's underground private lessons going on and workouts going on here and there. And we've, we've just shut our club down because uh, worried about the liability for one, but, you know, passing this disease on to a grandparent or to a younger brother or, or something like that. So I've tried to get everybody to, to calm down because there's nothing really that's pressing to get on the mats. And, and there are things that you can work on at this point uh, to improve. And, and usually these are things that nobody even touches on. Um, improving their stance and motion, working on level changing, figuring out head position, uh, working on penetration steps, outside stepping, sprawling. Um, and, you know, we've incorporated in our workouts, in our Zoom workouts, some band workouts, some medicine ball workouts, some uh, agility workouts, and some, also some functional patterns. And, and trying to give people something to do when they're home. I mean, this is my wrestling room right now. <laughs> there it is. That's, That's my wrestling room right now. So I'm, I'm doing some virtual lessons. Um, I've been doing uh, a couple of them with a father-son team, which is it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, and I think it gives a, a, a different kind of relationship that they have with the father because they have to work a little bit more together. And, and uh, right. the, the father right. can be a helping hand, which I think the kids have appreciated. Um, the other thing that I've seen with the virtual lessons, I think uh, the kids pay a little bit better attention because they're just glued on a phone or a computer screen and there's not any other distractions around them um, as a as a coach as a you know somebody that's teaching um, you really have to zero in on right hand here left hand here right foot here hips in there and have to be pretty dynamic when you're when you're teaching but it's I found it to be really good and it's helped the the, the kids that I've been working with quite a bit so it's, yeah, uh, I was gonna. Yeah. I was gonna say it probably life, actually. Go ahead. Life has changed a lot for them, and life has changed a lot for for me. Um, you know, with my RTC workouts, uh, we're completely stopped right now. So what I'm doing with them mostly is uh, they're li they're continuing their lifting, but I'm sending them a ton of video, and um, you know, getting making their minds work as much as they can, making them think about different positions. And, uh, you know, someday it'll be a parterre day. Another day it'll be a push-out day. Another day will be an underhook day. Another day will be shot improvement. Another day will be snapping. You know, so I'm trying to change uh, those type of categories up. But I'm doing the same thing with my club where uh, on the Instagram account is I'm putting up wrestling video, um, you know, almost every night. So they're getting – a little bit different of, and it's high class wrestling and it's, and it's freestyle. I'm going to be moving to some college stuff a, a little bit later on. It's just that I'm, I'm better prepared with the freestyle film and, and giving it to them. So, yeah, it makes sense. And like you so, said, there's just so much you could be doing right now so that much. kids, unfortunately, a lot of times they're not thinking about it. That's why right. they need that kind of private lesson where the yeah. coach who's seeing outside the box. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the other thing I've tried to get them to concentrate on is, eating better. Right. Um, and that's something that uh, my lifestyle is pretty crazy. Um, 
You know, I'm usually on the mats between six and eight hours a day. So I travel between Lehigh and, and Randolph in, be, in between that. And I, I do that six days a week. Um, and so I'm always eating on the road. And so I, I'm not getting, you know, the best nutrition that I possibly can. And I feel my, my nutrition has improved a lot. And actually, a, a former wrestler, uh, Mark McLean, who uh, has his own food business, has been giving me dinners every night. And so oh, it's been awesome. I, I haven't eaten so well, you know, probably since I've been at Blair. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. I'm sitting in the sun every morning and that's, you know, something I've told the kids to do a little bit with that, you know, they have that opportunity to sit in the sun and get that vitamin D. Um, it, you know, there's just so many things that you can be doing better. Trying to keep your sleep patterns the same, not staying up all night doing what, playing the video games or, you know, you're on your Instagram. So um, trying to focus on those ideas and, and trying to get it across to the kids. Absolutely. It's so important. But again, like it's just if the kids aren't thinking about it outside the box, they're thinking restriction. There's not a lot I could do right now. But as you said, you just rattled off a host of things they could be doing. Right. So, so, we, it's, so we, you know, I'm sure most clubs are doing it. Um, our Zoom classes uh, are have been you know, interesting and fun. Um, and, you know, trying to develop a, a core strength with, for those younger kids is, is something that we're, we're making a push on, uh, you know, for the, like the national team. Um, we meet once a week and, and watch video and trying to keep up on the trends of, of what's happening across the, across the world. And, uh, you know, what is, what is the new trend that's out there and just trying to get ready for, 2021 Olympics, which sounds weird. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do what we can. Now, I've always been curious, what do you tell your athletes getting them mentally ready in terms of relaxing under pressure, confidence, what they should be thinking out about before a big match? Obviously, you've seen many big matches. You've coached, you know, world champions, national champions. What do you tell them going into the event, how to approach the event as a whole, maybe not getting caught up in crowd or distractions and then also right before they go out there and when they're out there competing well so you know a lot of that is preparation sure. you know what what you do all year is is really important and uh and how you prepare all year is really important and trying to stay on those regiments and and you know doing what you need to do in practice training wise to prepare for the competition and working on your strengths and working on your weaknesses and trying to put yourself in the best positions that you can, that that's good for you. You know, everybody's a little bit different. Sure. Uh, the way that, um, and working with their psyche on it, everybody's different. Uh, sure. So it's, it's hard to find um, where that person's going to be at, at that moment. But if you, if you're doing a routine that you do, uh, you know, all the time. And so, you know, one, one thing that, um, that I did as a high school coach is I stuck to a routine of, of warming up and made the kids in charge of, of their warmups. So when they got to a tournament or when they got to a dual meet, they knew how to warm up properly. They knew how to get their bodies prepared to wrestle. So that I think is a, uh, you know, a big mistake with the younger kids. They just don't know how to do that. And so 
I would tell, you know, I would give them a routine or I'd change the routine up a little bit. But it, I felt it was always important that they knew how to get their bodies warm and how much they needed to do in live wrestling to prepare for that first match in the morning. So, you know, that I felt was um, something that was really important. The other one is, you know, you can see those guys, especially at the end of the year, that are dialed in. I mean, just dialed in. And that takes, a, you know, I think a special athlete. And, uh, it, you know, just this year and working with the Lehigh guys, they're, they're in getting ready for the Easterns and then moving on to the NCAA tournament. There was this guy named Josh, Josh Humphreys that was dialed in. I was so excited to see this guy wrestle at the NCAA tournament because he, he got himself ready mentally for the Easterns, had a great Eastern tournament, um, beat Quincy in, in the finals pretty well. And then I was really excited to see the next step at the NCAA tournament because he was doing the right steps along the way. His diet was right. And, and then Nick Farrow was on the, on the same page. Uh, diet was right. Sleep was right. Uh, preparation was right. Everything kind of fell in line for them to be dialed in. And, and to, to um, get the, at that process, I think a lot is culture on your team. Um, you, you know, doing the right things throughout the year. Um, uh, and, and, you know, obviously getting the, the right technique. You know, the other guy that I think of about being dialed in is Jordan Burroughs. And, you know, watching him at the world championships um, and the preparation. Um, so, you know, at 2011, I started working out, in, at, out at the OTC and, and watching this guy prepare is pretty amazing. You know, watching Kyle Dake prepare incredible, incredibly. Uh, Jaden Cox, uh, Kyle, Kyle Snyder, you know, just across the board, all these guys. But. I would have bet the farm on last year's world that Jordan Burroughs was going to win. He was so dialed in. He was doing the correct things, uh, at, you know, at, at that time and preparing himself for his matches. He was putting himself in positions that, that he could win. Uh, his sleep was right. His diet was right. Everything was right. It was just 1.8 seconds he got hit with a push out to, to lose that match in the semifinals. But I thought at that point, there was nobody in the world that was going to beat him. And I was surprised. And I was, as I told you, I would have bet the farm on it that, that this guy is going to win. I felt the same with Kyle Dake and Jaden Cox. Um, they were so dialed in where they were mentally. They, they were so confident. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to see. And when you see it on high school athletes, um, you know, going in at the end of the year and seeing these guys be dialed in because they did the right things along the way throughout the year. It's a, it's an amazing process. Excellent. Now I'm going to ask about, now you say about dialed in, what is the opposite of dialed in look like where you could kind of tell you have an athlete who has a lot of talent. They're very good. They might even be a favorite, but you could see that there's something off. I'm sure you've seen this many times. What does it look so like to not times. be dialed in? So many times. So I'm not going to bring names up right. because I don't want to embarrass them. But I felt this to be uh, one of the difficult, the most difficult things in coaching. You know, when you think that you've done everything right and your preparation has been good, your technique has been right on for that particular kid, their strength training has been good, their diet has been good. And then when they come to that finals match, they shut down. 
And, and the biggest part, I think, is fear um, and, um, and not being relaxed enough and not putting themselves in the same uh, mindset that they would have when they were in practice or when they were in the semifinals. You could just see that they're nervous. And then, like, I'll, I'll look at them, I go, oh, man, this is not good. <laughs> and, and you can see it in their eyes. You can see it the way that they're holding their bodies. And you're kind of hoping that there's something that you can do to snap them out of it. And for some guys, it's a different routine. You know, with, uh, with uh, uh, some guys, you have to, you know, get in their face a little bit. They like to be, uh, and I usually slap a guy right in the back of the neck just to alert them, to wake them up. And I do that to almost to every, everybody. But, um, you know, some guys, you have to calm them down a little bit relax, be a little more, more lighthearted. And then the, the next guy, you got to, you know, you got to get into their, into their psyche a little bit to get them a little bit more fired up to get ready to go. So, I mean, it's, it's different in every case. Um, and I've had somewhere I felt that I can't get them out of this routine of losing in the finals. Um, so that's when I go to get help from somebody else. And, um, you, you know, we've tried, uh, hypnosis. We've tried a lot of those uh, different techniques of trying to put them in a place where their where their mind is good and where they feel confident. Um, and, and I've had to do it with a couple of guys where um, it's it's basically calming them down, um, putting their mind in the, in the right area where they're stepping out on the mat and they're feeling confident. Um, the one thing that I I try to get across to people when they're competing is relaxing, um, staying calm. And the biggest thing is have fun. You know, this, this is, you know, what you've been working for your whole life. Um, and when you go out and relax and you're having fun, whether you win or you lose, you come off the mat and try to do as best that you can. That to me, that's the most important thing. And the wins will come if you're nice and relaxed and you're trying to do everything you can do to be offensive and some guys will shut that offense down and and try to um, capitalize on the other guy's mistake instead of putting him in to a position where he's going to make a mistake by putting the pressure on him or you know not not um, wearing this guy down enough in a, in a certain situation or getting to what in our scouting reports to get into the the right ties that you need to be in so, you know, there's a lot that goes in, 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 in the process. And there are times where I've come out of this as a coach going, I don't know what to do anymore. You know, I need some professional help right here because we've done everything right. And, you know, that's when I turn it over to guys like you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why we have a job. But it, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is very difficult. And just like you said, just like no two fingers on your hands are the same. No two kids are the same. There are some principles that do apply for everyone, but each athlete is very different. And a lot of what we do is just trying to help each individual find what works for them. So do you ever, to find out which kids need to be motivated or more relaxed, do you have conversations with them before uh, the, the tournaments, even maybe before the, the year? Or is there any evaluation of, well, what did you do in the past when you competed well versus when you competed poorly? What was your energy level like on a scale of one to 10? What were you telling yourself? What did you eat? What was your warm up like? So they could see it on paper, anything like that? So you rehearse those situations. 
and if you don't rehearse them, you're not you're not going to be sure how they're going to they're turning out. So, um, you know, before uh, and so, as an RTC athlete, we do match day every Friday, and sometimes I control those matches as much as I can. Other times I just let them roll out the way a, a normal rat match would would happen. But you know, the one thing that I try to do where I see, you know, desperation or I see uh, panic, and I try to panic the athletes as much as I can, but it's hard to do in a practice situation. It's not like the real thing. Um, but you try to put them in those type of situations. So um, a freestyle match is a, is a six-minute match, and sometimes what I'll do at the fourth minute, I'll have somebody down by three points, and they, they have to work on, you know, getting a takedown turn, takedown push out, you know, something along those points. But to put them under that stress where they have one minute to do this in. And then I'll do it with 30 seconds and then I'll do it with 15 seconds. But I try to do it at the end of matches when they're tired because people react a lot differently when they're fresh and then when they're tired. So I try to do it in, in, a, in a tired situation. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's like when I had Steve Mako on uh, when I was coaching him for two years at Blair this guy had an engine for a big man and so in order to get him tired I would rotate grown men on him in practice and I would then I had to put up a because he, he got so in good shape from that I had to put up a, a big wide pull-up bar and we used to call it the Mako bar just to make him do pull-ups in between just to tire him out right. you know the guy had a big engine and the guy would really push hard at the end, end of the matches. So, you know, trying to get people to end those type of situations, I think, is important. You know, what, what are you going to do on this single leg situation in, in this situation? And especially when you're tired, what are you going to do? So I think it's, it's good to try to work those drills when people are in stressful situations, when they're in tired situations. But the other thing that I would do on match day um, when I was in high school, when I was coaching in high school, is I would make them make a certain weight so they would practice under, you know, just just to see what they're even what they're even going to look like down down close to weight and and you know it was not in a wrestle off situation but you know the other thing too put the singlet on you know the singlet yes. feels weird and, and you know even at my, our club workouts um, if it's during the folk style season you have to wear your headgear. Get used to that Love guy. Yep. And so, you know, a lot of kids, you see them when, when they first are going is, you know, shaking their headgear. So um, trying to repl replicate a situation that seems to haunt kids is a hard situation to get them out of. And trying to recreate these in practice is something that I've always tried to do, sometimes with success, sometimes without success. You can't you can't get them the, out of that bad habit, you know, of uh, there's 30 seconds left in the match and they're winning. And why do they take a wild shot at that point? It's nerves. And, you know, it's with, for those offensive guys, that's all they know how to do. Instead of standing up there, blocking out with their head, getting into good hand fighting position, controlling wrist and elbows. Instead, they're up, up here reaching because they're just nervous. And why do people... And, and when they're in those situations, try to run away. Why do you do that? Don't do that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, that's, that's great stuff. And when you create those match days, will you have teammates watch just so they get that performance anxiety competing in front of people? 
I used to do something a little bit um, mentally tough. Um, I forget what we called it. Um, but at Blair, in the new room, we had three mats. And so in the middle mat, I put the entire team around the circle, uh, the circle of death. And so two guys would go out and wrestle. And so um, in getting ready for the Ironman tournament, the people are right down on the mat. And there are old ladies yelling at you. Um, you know, I, had a, I, I saw one time uh, a friend of mine, uh, I, the guy has passed away, but uh, his, his name was Tringe. He had an old lady squirt a, a, um, a bottle of water on him while he was coaching. And so the next time he came to the same chair, I brought an umbrella over to him. But these people are on top of you at the Ironman tournament. So I wanted the guys to get used to a loud situation, a hostile situation, and the kids were allowed to yell anything they wanted, but they couldn't say anything bad about their mothers. So it was trying to create a situation where they would get upset, and I refereed it, and I would really take it out on somebody. They were getting bad calls because you got to recover from bad calls. You can't be, you know, put yourself in a situation where, um, you know, you're feeling, oh, I got, I got screwed. You know, it's the ref's fault. You know, you got to overcome a bad call. So, you know, I remember one time a guy was walking back slow to the center. I hit him for stalling. And he's going, what do you mean you're hitting me for stalling? One point misconduct. You know, just <laughs> anything that I could do to upset him. It's great. Um, it, so, you know, thinking of, you know, those ideas and, um, you know, the circle of death was, uh, you know, a, a good one because you would not think that somebody would break in that situation. But when they get tired, crazy things happen. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Uh, and I love all of that. I think that's tremendous for the kids. I'll give you a few um, specific situations now. So scouting. How do you how do you balance that where the kid doesn't get overly concerned with their opponent and now they're thinking too much about what they're going to do versus what they're doing? Because from my experience, what I've seen, the athletes that have come to us, for every one person scouting has helped, it's hurt 20. How, how do you balance that? Maybe it's different at higher levels. What do you think? Well, one, I think it's important for a guy to see what another person does. That's one thing. For me as a coach, I'm trying to work on what's going to make them win and not focused on what the other guy does. So, um, you know, if you, if you know that the guy has, you know, a great high crotch and he shoots with his, with his right hand, we're going to try to tie that right hand up. But we're not going to say, wow, that guy's got a great high crotch. You better look out for it. You know, try to control the wrist. Don't let him get the shot off. Um, and, and trying to put him in – um, and, and you got to put them in the situation or else they're not going to understand it, but try to make it so, as positive and not building up the other guy so much about, oh, he does this really great. You know, he's a great writer and, you know, it's, it's, this is what you need to do on bottom to get out and, and, you know, show him what the situation is and then work on that situation to get out what he needs to do, things that he needs to do in the match, not things to avoid, you know, that's you, good. You need to, you know, whether it's a, you know, you got an underhook guy, you need to be blocking out on that underhook, working on your thumb blocks to the elbow, circling away from it, but get to this shot um, and being positive on what they need to do instead of what the other guy is doing.
So more just bringing it up, more kind of like in passing. But now this, now we're going to go to work working on this position, okay, not so dwelling on it. No. Yeah. I, so with the with the senior level athletes, they're different. Um, they they you can say anything you want to them. They're they're grown men. Uh, they don't they don't get their feelings hurt. And you have to be specific on, um, you know, on on what on what they need to key on and what they need to do in that match. Um, very important. Very important. With a high school kid, a lot of it is about educating them in the situation. So um, if we we're getting ready for a certain team that did certain things, like um, Great Bridge was a great Grambys team. Um, so we would work on countering Grambys almost three to four weeks out. Uh, St. Ed's was a great Shuck team. Uh, not St. Ed's, uh, Easton. They, they used to do slide-bys. We because the first time we got hit with it, one of our best kids got beat because he got slid by twice early in a match. And, and I wasn't ready for it. So, you know, the next year we were ready for that, that type of situation. You know, uh, St. Ed's would try to collar tie and pull down on the head. Same with, with Graham. They were easy to get, get prepared for because they never came out. Every kid kind of did the same thing of pulling down. But there are certain things that high school kids need to learn and you got to set these things out prior. And I would try to do it three, four weeks out instead of, Hey, the day before we got to get right. ready for this. So that's, that's a great point. Three yeah, to four so, weeks out. So in trying to um, working those drills into practice. So they were just like second nature for the, for the younger kids. Um, so the, I mean, there, there's so many things that you're trying to teach in high school. So many, so, you know, there's so many facets that you're trying to deal with the sport. So I would take a calendar and try to write out things I wanted to prepare for during that year instead of trying to do it all at once. And, and that made it a little bit easier for me. Okay, so we don't wrestle this team. I can worry about this at this point. Um, just, just a way of organizing yourself a little bit and, and having a plan moving on. Right. So would, would you want your kids, the athletes, to actually watch the video on the opponents, or would you recommend coaches more? They should do that homework, and then they communicate it to the kid. So not at high school. You know, it's, they don't even know what they're looking at. They, they watch a video. Oh, that was cool. And, and you know, they're not keyed in. But I think kids are better at that now because there's so much video available. You know, when, when I was growing up, I learned wrestling from Bobby Douglas's book and he had one or two and I used to look through that and my brother and I would do, you know, do the takedowns. Now they have all this stuff available to them. So, you know, I think that's why um, kids are, are at a different level than they were when, when I was in high school in the sixties and seventies. Um, you know, it's just a, a completely different. And I remember the first time I saw wrestling on TV, it was like, wow. Dan Gable at the Olympics in 72, you know, it's, it, or I would try to turn my antenna to get the Lehigh matches from Rhode Island and, and watching them fuzzy, trying to watch through the fuzz. I mean, it was, a, it was a, you know, crazy, crazy situation and trying to, to watch wrestling or getting amateur wrestling news and looking at the pictures and trying to figure out from the pictures, you know, something that happened a month later, you know, they got it right in front of them right now. So it's, uh, it's, I think that's, you know, I think it's acquiring that skill to watch video is really important. What you need to look at and how you need to look at it, um, 
You know, what is this person doing? What trends are they doing? Is it a right leg lead or is it a left leg lead? Do they reach with this hand, that hand? I would say that would be more for the coach to look at, but I think it's always good to look at an opponent, opponent so you know what you need to prepare for. Excellent. Uh, you brought it up before. First match of a tournament, I could go into any club anywhere in the country and ask, what's your worst match of a tournament? They always say the first match of the day. What have you seen to be the most success in dealing with that first match? Warm up. Warm up. You know, proper warm up. Uh, what's the so, timing look like? The timing for the, the warm up look like? How soon close to the match? Um, so generally it's an, it's an hour out. You know, you start your warm up and, you know, you ease into it. And uh, so, like, if it's a heavyweight and, you know, the tournament starts at nine o'clock in the morning, that guy's not going to wrestle till noon. So, there's no reason to get him warmed up at nine. But, you know, an hour out just to start to get his body warmed up um, and, and then get him into some live wrestling. So, um, and every kid will tell you this that. Um, in practice, their second match is better than their first match. So try to make your first match your second match of, of, the, of the tournament. Get your body prepared. The other thing that, it, that I hate to say it because it's kind of the, the, the you know, under, underscoring thing in, in wrestling is, you know, is, is your diet and that you're eating the, the right foods after your weigh-ins. And um, I think that is, has a lot to do with, especially with, High school kids, you know, they go out and drink a Coca-Cola after they got off the scale and eating a chocolate bar. You know, getting the right foods into your body is, is really important. And how was the weight cut? And, you know, hopefully it wasn't a big weight cut for, but some kids are put in that situation that to make the team, they got to do a little bit more of a, a weight cut. So more than they, than they probably anticipated. Or it was a bad week, you know. So, you know, trying to um, understand all those facets, but I think the warm up is probably the biggest thing, um, and you know that's something that you need to test out as you're as you're moving along in your career, and that's why I think match days are important. Are you are you ready to step out on the mat, and are you ready to wrestle? Um, and like I said before, try to make your first match your second match. And would you recommend them do a full match or, or a truncated match? Yes. Yeah, so, so maybe it's three. One minute goes. Maybe it's 30-second hand, hand fighting four or five times. That's something that you need to figure out. Maybe it's, you don't have to do a whole match, but you do, you do need to get some live in there. Excellent. Talk about energy management at a tournament. So you have the NCAA's three-day tournament. New Jersey State's three-day tournament. You spend a lot of time in your own mind, assuming you're in the, the championship bracket, what should they be focusing on? What should they be doing, not doing? Do you get out of the arena? Do you, what do you, what do you say? Get out of the arena. There's no reason to stick around there all day. That's just going to tire you out. You know, go back to the, if you have an hotel, go back to the hotel. If you can get outside, get outside, you know, get some fresh air. If you can get some sunlight, get some sunlight. You know, those are all good things to do. You, you know, try to get something else to occupy your mind. Don't be afraid to, you know, in, in those situations where, you know, you're only wrestling two times that particular day, you're preparing for those two times. But if you get thrown in the loser's bracket, it's, it's, it's all hell. You've got to go five or six times. Um, so, um, you know, that's one thing, you know, coaching a bunch of good kids, 
it, you know, they're, they're only have to wrestle a certain amount of, of matches. And then you can get them out of the, out of the facility, bring them back to the hotel or, or, um, you know, go somewhere where they can relax, listen to some music, uh, but just to get out of the arena or even sleep, you know, if they can sleep at the arena, um, it, you know, with a, with that state tournament, I wouldn't have a, a guy there watching the entire day or at the NCAA tournament watching all those other matches because that just gets you geared up. You know, of, of course you want to follow your teammates, um, but at those times it's time to be a little bit selfish and you, you need to focus on yourself and get ready for yourself. Yeah, we've even seen that at dual meets. If the team, if you're, if you're coming up and your teammates are wrestling, you don't necessarily want to be on the edge of the mat because they're not, they're not listening to you anyway. They're supposed to be listening to the coach. And you're thinking about the team score. You're thinking, of, you know, the athlete who's warming up is looking at the team score, watching the match, the racing yeah. thoughts, your, your stomach's going up and down. Your best way to help the team is to get yourself mentally and physically ready. Would mm -hmm. you agree? I would agree. So, but I also like the team, team camaraderie also. Um, you know, sure. after, after that you wrestle, after you wrestle and, um, you know, the one thing that I tried to do from being a high school coach is the, the only kids that could wear the, uh, um, the headphones were the guys coming up to wrestle, you know, they could listen to their right. music right. After, after they were done, they got They got to be good teammates and cheering their guys Absolutely. on. Um, you know, Absolutely. that's just good team camaraderie and, and, uh, developing team camaraderie, I think is something that can influence one of your not so strong kids to, to move up a level. Uh, having the support uh, of their friends and their teammates is I think huge. Um, so I, you know, I, I wouldn't want them to be sitting on the bench, you know, looking at a cell phone or uh, playing with their music to be focused on, on what's happening and that's supporting your teammates. Absolutely. And talk a little bit about peaking. Again, you've worked with some of the very best in the country, some of the very best in the world. What do you see common trends? Again, every kid is a little bit different. But what are some things you see they have in common as they're gearing up towards, I don't like to call them bigger tournaments or smaller tournaments, but you know, at the end of the year, what they've been training for? Recovery, sleep. Um, you know, I, I used to um, work with Team New Jersey and uh, they would have a training camp, uh, you know, two weeks outside of, uh, of uh, Fargo or maybe a week outside of Fargo. And they would bring the kids in and I, I'm just going, stop the madness. You know, if you haven't done the work before now, it's too late. But they were, they were killing the kids at that point. Um, you know, they're doing four workouts a day. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that was something that was fixed as time moved on. Um, but I think that happens commonly out in a lot of states where, you know, they bring these guys together, you know, one week out to go to Fargo and they, they just crush the kids. Um, you know, that's a, that, at that point, things need to be slowed down. You, the live wrestling doesn't need to happen. So, um, we would hit, when I was at Blair, we would hit the Ironman Beast and then maybe Powerade, maybe the Liberty Tournament. But it was, it was three weekends in a row that we were hitting um, a top, top competition. And, you know, the weeks in between those tournaments were actually rest times, re recovering, 
working on mistakes, maintaining their, their diet. Uh, it wasn't a grind out situation. And, and the same in preparing up towards those tournaments. Um, and it was unfortunate that your, your biggest tournaments of the year occurred in December. So you had to get the kids prepared for um, December to win a national title sometimes, or it would come later in the year. But um, the rest in between those matches, I think, were important. And so I set up a schedule that we only wrestled on the weekends. You know, so there wasn't the make wait Tuesday wrestle, make wait Thursday wrestle, make wait Saturday wrestle. That, that kills you. I mean, that's a long week. You know, making weight three times and competing three times. So I tried to make it so we only wrestled on the weekends. Um, sometimes there were dual tournaments where I'd bring 45 kids to go wrestle and share the wealth with the entire team. But, the, the, you know, the important part was to do your training and then calm your training down a little bit and just focus on being sharp, knowing what you need to do in those matches and um, and, you know, for like the end of the year or coming up on the Ironman, the, our, our practice would probably be an hour long, no longer than that. And, you know, not having a grueling three-hour practice one, one week from the States just doesn't make any sense to me. It just wears the kids down where you want them to be as sharp, have as much energy as possible. And your build has to happen throughout the season sometimes. Sometimes you train through matches. Um, so, and, you know, the you know, sometimes the kids would say to me, why are we going so hard? Don't worry about it. You got to trust me right now. This is, we're training through this match in preparation for what we're doing, what we're doing here. And, you know, for the most part, I would say that my, I've been lucky. I have athletes that have trusted me 100% and believed what I, what I was doing. Um, you know, going through that cycle of preparation, you kind of get yourself in a routine and I think those routines are important and kids understand routines. Um, but, you know, trying to, you know, at the end of the year, you know, get, get, oh, we need to get those extra workouts in. No, you don't need to get those extra workouts in. The preparation should have, the hay's already in the barn, right? The preparation is already done. You know, it's, it's about being, um, I think, rest, well rested and, you know, especially at that end of the year, you're really excited about the situation that you're in. If you're coming to the end of the year and you're dragging and you're tired and you can't wait for the season to get over, that's when you're going to have failure. I think getting to the end of the year and that built up excitement of that Josh Humphreys dialed in, everything has gone right. Being, you know, coming up to the NCAA tournament is going to be you know, a fabulous thing. That's what I think you're working for. Absolutely. And how far out should they be tapering? One so, week, two weeks? I usually would do the start. If, if I was coming down to the end of the year, it was almost a, a week and a half to two weeks where, where I'd start tapering it down. Definitely the last week was a pretty light week, but I would still work in live wrestling during that last week, but it would be shorter situations and they would try to avoid um, positions or, or situations where guys can get hurt. So I would change it up to maybe some hand fighting matches. I would change it up to, you know, maybe some 30 second goes, you know, trying to do whistle starts a little bit more. 
um, one match, you know, so I'm going to be out of shape by that time. So they believe that they're going to be still in, in state in shape. Excellent. And then during that taper period, is there anything specific you're telling to them to do where it's, I don't know, maybe massages, more stretching, not thinking of wrestling the whole night, <laughs> possibly anything well, like that. I try to keep routines. If, if massage is part of their routine, then massage. Um, but you know, that that's something that I think guys should be doing all the time. Um, it's, it's probably, um, misunderstood a little bit on the high school level, but you know, on the, on the college level or even more, more on the uh, senior level, um, there's a lot of, uh, of, of massage work. Uh, so, you know, out at the uh, OTC or when we go to travel for the world championships or even any of the um, uh, ranking tournaments, there's, there's usually a massage as well as a chiropractor along on those trips. So, you know, for those guys, it's, it's incredibly um, uh, effective for them being relaxed, having their muscles loose. The, you know, guys, guys love that. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is just being consistent with it. If you're normally a yes. sauna guy, if it's legal for you, sauna, yeah. uh, ice bath, whatever so, it is, cryotherapy. So, uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the sauna, the saunas has been, you know, probably misused a, a lot, but those are great for recovery and getting the toxins out of your bodies. Um, and it's used, you know, frequently by the senior level athletes. Um, and, you know, it, it's, How about ice baths and cryotherapy? Yeah, you know the the those are are great recoveries and and for recovery days that's actually what guys will do. They'll they'll um, they might do a, a steam and then right into the ice pool. Um, you, you know those are effective ways to get toxins to get the inflammation out of the body. Um, and you know for high performance that's what you need. Um, and you know uh, you know it's. It's perfect. And I saw somebody write visual, visualization there. Um, I think this is something that all really good wrestlers can do really well. And maybe because they've trained their, their minds that way all through their lives, um, I think is a really important thing. Uh, and, and, and working with younger kids, I even try to get them to visualize themselves on the podium, getting their hand you know, standing on the top of the podium or the end of the match, getting their hand raised, because that's that's all the, what you're working for. But to also vis visualize perfect technique, you know, see yourself and knowing what your left hand's doing, your right hand's doing, your foot, your knees, your hips. And it's an important and I think a crucial um, part of even your training. I, for me, it's easy. I don't know why. You know, I visualize incredibly well, especially if I see something and then I try to re uh, replicate, replicate it. Uh, as for some reason, I have a, a good way of doing that. Um, and maybe it's because I watch so much video that, you know, I see something and I go, wow, that was cool. You know, let's now let's try to, you know, recreate that in the practice room. So, I mean, that's I think that's something that's uh, very important. Absolutely. We usually recommend visualizing four, four different things. So um, before the match, just so you have that confidence, you know you're going to feel good going into it. Uh, you're self-dominating your ideal performance, visualizing handling mistakes or things not going so well. Yeah. And then also, like you said, being on that podium, getting that medal, getting your hand raised, running off, seeing your parents, all that stuff, teammates, coaches. Yeah, I, I, 
you know, I, I, I probably didn't emphasize that enough, but, um, and, and didn't really call it a vis visualization, but the fact of, you know, looking at and preparing mentally for a match of positive things that you're going to do and not thinking, what am I going to do to lose this match about, but more thinking about what I need to do to win this match. What positions do I need to get into and thinking in that, in that direction of thinking, uh, what techniques that I need to do. Um, and you, you know, you look at the, the best guys in the world or the best guys at the NCAA level, they always put themselves in positions that they can win. And it's, and it's important that they, they wrestle that type of match. Um, you know, there are some guys that are really good at funking. So they're going to put themselves in that type of match and where another guy is not very good at that, try to avoid those type of situations. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, parenting. I'm sure you've seen it, well, you know, coaching some of the best, seeing that there are some situations where parents ruin the kid's career. Um, well, they make them hate wrestling or hate them. What can parents do concretely to support their kid and to help their career and at least not themselves be the problem? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm a parent. And uh, actually, I had a... Uh, a crazy situation with my own kids. Not only was to my son, I was his coach, but I was also his geometry teacher. Oh. So my daughter, I was her college algebra teacher. So I've coached my kids and I've taught my kids. And wow. for me, they've been incredibly good experiences. Um, I, so good. And, you know, part of it in... Uh, working with my son, um, he was around it his whole life. So, it, it, you know, he he grew up in a wrestling room. Um, he got ringworm, like when he was one years old. And when I when he came home one time, I got yelled at. So, uh, you know, those were, you know, he, he grew up around the sport. So um, me as a parent and him coming in and me being his coach for all, all the time, I stayed away from him. He came up and he had a conversation with me and he said, why aren't you coaching me? And I said, I, you know, I, I want to watch you. I don't want to be your coach. I want to be your dad. And he goes, well, I want you to be my coach and my dad. So it was an agreement between him and I. And one thing that we tried to do was not talk wrestling in the house. So when we came home, there was no talk of wrestling. And, that, you know, one time he came to me and he was asking me questions. We had to go stand out on the front yard to, for me to answer those questions. But, you know, it was something that um, that worked out really well. Um, I would get more excited when he would wrestle. My, my heart rate would go up. My blood pressure would go up. I would feel all those things. But I would try not to be stupid and, and try to say the right things to him. And the one thing that I always said to him was, I'm proud of you and I love you. That's the way to go out and compete. And that's one thing that he did. He was a, a first guy in the room and that last guy to leave the room. He, you know, he loved the sport. He loved being around the sport. And I think part of that was the, the relationship that we had. Um, it was very positive. Um, it was um, um, one where he liked to learn technique, which, you know, was something that I was really big on. Um, so, you know, I think it was really good. And he, I, I know he felt the pressure of being my son and everybody in the gym wanted him to lose every match. 
uh, because he was my son. Uh, so, you know, he felt those kind of pressures, but he handled them really well. Um, eventually went on to Harvard and wrestling at Harvard, had to stop wrestling because of concussions, which was, you know, really uh, a difficult thing for, for him. And, you know, he's asking me, how many concussions have you had? And I said, we're not going to talk about that because it was a different time. I wore a football helmet that had rope suspension in it. You know, I got knocked out almost every game because my helmet was a weapon. And so, uh, you know, you learn things as you move along. Um, and, and being a good parent, I think, is important for a wrestler and trying to be as positive as you can and trying to support them in a, in a positive way is, is really important. You know, not getting on them about, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. That should be the, the coach's job. But, you know, trying to give them the opportunity to be in the best situation that they can I think is important parenting. Um, you know, uh, if somebody doesn't want to do it and you try to push them into it, it's, it's not going to work out. And that, I think that's why I had uh, such a good relationship with my son as far as wrestling. It was his idea always. And, you know, when he was, I want to say, in the second or third grade, he wanted to start wrestling. So I'd bring him to wrestling practice, and I would, I would sit over on the ble bleachers. And then he wanted to go to Red Hawk, so I'd bring him to Red Hawk. And, you know, I'd go sit in the back and grade papers. Um, and so, you know, I've been around those parents. I've had some really rough parents. Um, and I've tried to educate my parents as best that I could in explaining to them what the process was going to be throughout the year, what our culture was going to be on our team, what I expected from them, what I demanded from them. Um, and, and, you know, this is going to be our cycle of training. Here's what we're going to do. And let me be the coach. Um, so that, you know, that that's a hard break for a lot of kids moving from junior high into high school and working with their, with their kids. There's usually a better separation in college when that happens, but there's still, you know, that overbearing parent that, you know, is the helicopter parent that's trying to manipulate everything that they can do. If they can let them go, go and do things on their own, like they do in just about everything else they do in life, they'll find that they are, they're going to be able to succeed a little bit better, but provide the opportunity for them to be in that situation. You know, you know, you know for my son, he said, I didn't say, hey, you need to go to this wrestling club. He said to me, I want to go to Red Hawk. All right, let's get in the car. Let's go. Um, instead of, you know, you have to go to this club for this reason. Um, you know, I said, I like the guy there. He's going to teach you good things. And I think staying at one place and getting that system in is important for you. Then when he was moving up, he started in, in um, seventh grade. He wanted to start uh, – training with some of the Blair guys. And I allowed him to do that because it was his idea. Eighth grade, the same thing. He got, you know, went out to Fargo and, you know, had his first experience. And that was probably the biggest tournament that he'd ever wrestled in before. He didn't do the circuit like a lot of other kids have done. You know, sometimes, you know, doing those hundred matches a year are just, you know, you keep pulling that cord. It's going to break sometime. And sometimes I think kids are over wrestling right now and they're not, taking some time off as me growing up I was a three-sport athlete in college I played two sports you know that was the times back then you know knowing when when to um you know, to specialize is 
is an important thing. And, you know, guys specializing at a young age, I'm not sure is the right thing. But being involved in trying to learn a sport, I think, is, is really important. Um, so, you know, not that pressure of, uh, you know, trying to hit it hard throughout an entire year is, is you know, tough. And kind of why I like what's going on, if you want to look at a positive thing, what's going on right now is kids are off the mat, they're relaxed, and they're so eager to get back right now. Everybody's biting at the bit to get on the mats. And, you know, for me, I'm going to take my time coming back. Um, you know, I can start in June 4th in the state of Pennsylvania with my RTC athletes. Because we moved to yellow at that point, we can move to phase three in the return to practice um, that are guidelines that are set up by USA Wrestling to do uh, practices where they have to be maintaining the social distancing. So it's moving into a 14-day cycle to another phase of wrestling. So, I, you know, I think that's the way the sport's got to come back right now. Um, everybody's uh, in, in a rush to come back. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing out in Oklahoma works out. I'm interested to see how, you know, what kind of uh, effects it's going to have. Um, I, I, I wouldn't do it personally, but, you know, Eric felt it was important that they did something at, at this point, but we're going to learn from that. We're going to learn from this business coalition down in uh, that want to start their businesses up right now, what's going to happen, but it, I'm not going to do it on at our club right now because I don't want to put anybody in jeopardy. I don't want to see anybody get sick. Uh, you know, and I'm saying at this point, why do it? You know, this is your, this is a good time to recover. This is a good time to get your mind right. This is a good time uh, to, to enjoy, you know, life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to kick a positive. That's right. Keep them positive. I think, um, I think this is going to kick us off at eight 30. Last, last question I have for you. What does American wrestling need to do to consistently start beating Russia? Wrestle more. Wrestle more freestyle. That's what it comes down to. We don't know the sport as well as they do. And I think um, the RTCs have been really influential in pushing out what the proper technique, especially in parterre position, and being able to handle situations like chest locks offensively and defensively. Um, it's, just a, it's just a different style. And having the understanding of where you need to be in certain positions is important. It's different than uh, folk style. You can shoot with your head down in folk style and still be successful, but not in freestyle. You're going to get turned. And that's why I like freestyle because it teaches kids to get their hips in, to work on driving across on people. And it's going to work on folk style or freestyle. Um, you know, the push out situation. So I think that the RTCs have been really a, a productive part of influencing America weeding down into the younger ranks where, you know, kids are learning how to ankle lace at a younger age, learning how to gut wrench at a younger leg, learning how to do a chest lock at, at a younger age. So um, being put in those skilled positions is really important um, to, uh, uh, I think, in, in generating our knowledge. And I think getting that feel where we we're having success on cadet and a junior level, getting those guys overseas. I don't want to go overseas right now. I'm afraid that I'll get locked in Dagestan 
for like six months. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but, you know, when the time is right um, to travel overseas, I mean, seeing uh, I've been to Dagestan, I've been to Osadia. I consider those the two best places in the world. And I've watched their kids wrestle and what they're doing in practice are really athletic things. And the, the, the way that I think that you can improve kids is trying to make them better athletes and, and giving them those type of skills to become a better athlete. Just, um, and that's why I like this functional patterns. I think that is, you know, an, an, you know, something that you need to incorporate in, in your weightlifting, because I think, I do think it's, it will make them, uh, you know, better athletes moving forward. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Back when I was in high school, my brothers and I were young up and comers, probably around 2000, 2001. We used to train at Rollway. <laughs> we used to train at Rollway. We used to train at Rollway High School in the summertime with Fred Stuber, mm -hmm. another awesome local guy. legend. And, yeah. we asked, and we asked him back in high school around 2000, 2001, I think my dad asked him, who's the best coach in the state of New Jersey? And he said, Jeff Buxton. And he said, who's the second best coach? And he said, his assistants. So he said, it's going to be tough to be, <laughs> it's going to be tough to beat Blair. I don't know we went, about that, but we went we went a lot we went a lot longer than I normally do. But if I have a legend on on here speaking live, I'm going to capitalize in every single second that Instagram gives me. Thank you so much for all your answers. This I is incredibly. I didn't helpful. realize we're on for an hour. <laughs> I could and we could have gone longer. I didn't thank realize you. we're on for an hour. <laughs> thank you. All Coach. right. Take care. Stay safe. You're welcome. Bye. Yep. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.